Welcome to Ski Cap, Hoodie and Shorts. Today's episode, U.S. National Curling Championships. Hey everybody, welcome to the Ski Cap Hoodie and Shorts podcast. My name is Ted Samaris and I am your host. And um, today's episode actually preempts an episode um, that we usually do here in early November about new shortcuts in tech. Um, And that is because um, the National uh, U.S. Curling Championships just finished up. And so I want to talk to you a little bit of my experience uh, at attending it. So, um, you know, don't worry if you're here for the tech cuts. Um, Those will be coming up um, either later this month or in early March. Uh, We don't want to forget you out there. And you can um, always, you know, reach out to me if you're dying to get some of those shortcuts and have that discussion. Um, But that will be coming up shortly. But today our focus is going to be on the sport of curling. And, um, you know, it's pretty interesting. Like, you know, a lot of people um, kind of get into it. It, It's one of those uh, it's one of those type of sports that like, you know, the fan who's looking for something different during the Olympics gets into, but then forgets about for four years. Uh, And so um, this time around, right again, you know, it was in it was in uh, 2022 and it won't be again till 2026 in terms of the Olympics. Um, But being that this is being um, we're discussing this in 2024. You know, the people who play the sport just like figure skating and diving and all those other kind of sports that you only think about once every four years, you know, they're hard, they're training, they're they're playing, you know, they're keeping up their world championships, national championships, etc. Uh, and so I really get into curling, you know, during the Olympics, but I do try to, um, you know, follow up on it um, when I can in the off years as well. Uh, and yes, you know, I am one of those people who likes to have those... Uh, you know, kind of different or, you know, off sports, that type of thing. So this is right in my wheelhouse. Now, uh, generally, when you think of curling here in the United States, right, you're thinking of like the upper Midwest. So you're thinking of your Minnesotas and your Michigans and Wisconsins, and you're really thinking about like the northern part of, uh, of those states, right, up and over Canada uh, in some spots, in some spots like uh you know, my friends in Michigan who are north of uh, Toronto, um, et cetera, et cetera. So when the opportunity came this past week uh, that the U.S. National Curling Championships were going to be here in New Jersey, I just couldn't pass on it. So, yep, you heard me right. The uh, the National Curling Championships were right here in New Jersey. And, um, you know, we won't get into, all, you know, all the teams and all that. We could save that for a separate total curling episode um but it was actually held at the american dream and if you haven't heard of that i'm not talking about ellis island where you know the boats would come in and uh you know bring immigrants in back in the 1920s and 1930s nor am i talking about dusty roads for those of you wrestling fans out there uh but i am talking about the huge mall up uh near metlife stadium um the american dream mall and it really i mean to call it a mall it's kind of an injustice. It's uh, like for those of you in like the Minnesota area, right? If you could think of like Mall of America, it's got all that crazy kind of stuff in it, right? There's tons of eateries. There are uh, ski slopes that are there with snow. There are areas where you can actually surf in the water. There's a huge Nickelodeon amusement park. 
um, et cetera, et cetera. And um, there's also an ice hockey rink there where um, there was a women's national, um, there was a women's uh, hockey team that was playing there uh, up until this year, up until they kind of relocated some of the franchises with the new league. Um, and yes, the rink actually sits right in the mall. Um, and so when I saw it was available, I was like, all right. I was like, uh, I, you know, I can't, you know, get there like after work necessarily this week, but I did want to catch one of the playoff rounds. Um, so that's what I did. I headed up early on a Saturday morning and uh, I jumped up there to American Dream. And to be honest, um, in terms of value, I was able to buy a ticket to get in and it actually cost me more in tolls thanks to uh, the New Jersey Turnpike and the Garden State Parkway um, than it did to actually buy the ticket. So it was well worth um the, the value and yes the idea of it being in a mall it kind of is like you know you have to remember right they're probably not selling out a huge arena for this right especially in a non-olympic year and so to go rent out like a, a local hockey rink or something like that uh doesn't really make sense because at the mall at this, at this particular mall especially which wound up being packed um by the time i left uh, you know, you get a lot of people who walk up and who are interested and who will buy a ticket just because they kind of see the big to-do about what's going on. And so there's a lot more buzz. So um, even though it was outside of the box thinking and maybe not for the curling purist, um, you know, it was definitely something um, that, you know, I got to give kudos to the U.S. curling for, um, you know, for go ahead and having the event there. Um, and what was nice, too, is that, like, because you had in and out access um, to the rink area, uh, you not only were able to get, like, real close to the rink before the matches started, which was awesome because, you know, there were, you know, again, this is the U.S. National Championships. So you get this. It qualifies you to represent the United States both on the men's and the women's side uh, in the World Championships. Um uh, and and uh, later this year, and also get you a berth in the uh, 2025 Olympic trials. So this is significant to be able to win the national championship this year. Um, but what was also cool was is that because you know there's a lot of people traveling from these different parts of the country, specifically in the in the upper Midwest, right? There's a lot of people who are also um, you know not packing their own lunches, right? They're coming from the hotels, they're coming from uh, here and there. So you bump into a lot of um, you know family members who are coming out to support. So, like, I was waiting on the line for coffee, and uh, I bumped into one of the family members of um, one of the players on the one of the team captains or the skips of the um, of one of the women's teams that was competing uh, in the playoff yesterday. Then I happened to be, um, you know, in the uh, in the area while I was viewing the. Um, the matches themselves, and I bumped into a gentleman who works for American Dream and actually had been working on the AC units uh, to make sure the ice would stay cold with all the people that were in there. So it was kind of interesting because it, it allowed it to be a lot more personal, um, you know, especially with a sport that, um, you know, definitely ha it has its passionate followers, but isn't like, you know, football or basketball or baseball, or something like that, where, you know, you've got tons and tons and tons of people and no access. Um, what was also interesting was that uh, there were actually four sheets or four um, matches on ice being played at one time, which is normal um, for you know different rounds depending on what's going on. But um, most people that are experienced with curling actually just watch it on television, and so when you watch it on television, 
yeah, you're watching the one match that they're showing you, right? Whether it's Sweden versus Denmark or the U.S. versus Canada or whoever they think is going to show you local interest at that time, that's who they're going to show you. And then they'll cut you over to another match that might be more interesting, um, another match that might have more um, ramifications for your particular country during the Olympics. But to actually watch the communication of the teams yelling back and forth um, to each other while they were actually like, um, you know, four sheets of ice being played on all like next to each other, kind of like if you can picture a bowling alley um, with everybody running up at the same time. It was pretty interesting to see the focus that a lot of the players had to have um, and just also the stamina that they have too for the guys and the ladies who were doing a lot of the, um, a lot of the sweeping to get the, uh, the stones to turn. So just to indulge the uh, the curling people, um, the hardcore curling people here who are listening, um, you know, I, I was able to attend the round uh, that's known as a, a page playoff. So if you're familiar with like I've seen it done in um, curling or in uh, softball tournaments or if you watch like the College World Series, right, I think there's some kind of modification of that where it's kind of like a single and a double elimination playoff. So both the men's side and the women's side started with eight teams and they each um, played like a round robin, which means everybody plays each other. So they played seven um, matches during the week um, to qualify for the playoff. And you had to finish in the top four. But to reward you for finishing in the top two of the standings, what they did was, and this is the round that I attended, one played two and three played four. So what happened was is that in the 3-4 game, the winner of that would move on to what would be called the semifinals later that night, um, and the, um, the loser of the 3-4 match would go home. And then you had the 1-2 match playing simultaneously, and the winner of the 1-2 match would get an automatic berth in the finals, whereas the loser of the 1-2 match would then have to drop down and play the winner of the 3-4. So then this way, if you finish as a top 2 seed, you didn't get penalized for losing one match in the playoffs, and you had extra incentive to win that match because it puts you directly in the final. Then the winner of the... um, of that semifinal between the loser of the 1-2 and the winner of the 3-4 would then go to the finals and play as well. Uh, so that's the little um, kind of, um, you know, little uh, little interesting part with the playoffs and stuff. But, you know, it does... It, it, it does kind of, you know, put a precedent on the seating um, as well, whereas it's not just, uh, you know, um, like it is nowadays with uh, with basketball and, uh, and hockey especially, where, you know, just make the playoffs get in and then get hot um, and go from there. Uh, what else is very interesting was that um, it was it was neat to see um, some of the fans um, who were um, you know who had gotten a kick out of curling and watching it but had never seen it live like actually try to figure out the scoring because you know you didn't have a broadcaster with four matches going on telling you exactly what was going on if you were live at the rink um, and to watch people try to um, you know remember what the scoring was or think they knew what the scoring was and there were people uh, next to me taking actually taking pictures. And they being like trying to predict the score um, of what they thought would happen before the scoreboard would change. So that was kind of neat too to see people get into it. Um, and then the the other thing in curling, which you know, I hope this gives me some cred with the uh, with the curling aficionados out there, right? Was how important the hammer was, right? Especially to the teams, and especially to the I noticed it was to the higher ranked teams that seemed to want to play more defensively. Um, the hammer means that you get to throw last 
in the end, right? So if you're if you're you know throwing the stones, right? One team goes right. Let's say if yellow goes first, red goes next, and you go back and forth. Um, it's kind of like in you know in baseball, right? Like when I was in the little league, they used to call it like you know last licks for the home team, right? Um, so it's it's like that type of thing. So the hammer allows you to go last, and so there were teams that would just you know if there was no scoring, if there were no stones getting ready to score, they would throw their last stone through just to keep the hammer because if you score points in that end then what would happen is that you would have to give up the hammer to the other team so teams would either just throw through and not score any points and be happy with a 0-0 inning or or end and then they would also try to force the other team to have to take a point so that this way they would give up the hammer so it was interesting to see the strategy behind the teams forcing other teams to and willing to and be willing to give up one point to have the hammer so this way they could take advantage of a mistake later on and maybe pick up two three or even four points which is really unheard of there were a few um ends that were three points though and those were obviously significant um in terms of the outcome of the games so all in all, like I said, it was a it was a great day. Um, I'm, I'm glad I decided to jump up there and uh, had the opportunity. As it turns out, a lot of the mezzanine and ice level um, areas in the rink were already sold out for um, all the all the playoffs and the finals. So I'm glad I was able to get um, any ticket I could, and uh, it was certainly reasonably priced. Um, and it was great, like I said too, because being at that mall, it's you know being in this New York, New Jersey area, and being in the United States, like. Um, you know, I really do love this area. Um, it, it, it's such an eclectic blend of cultures, right? And as, you know, new immigrants come in and, and cultures, right, and cultures change and, 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 and morph, it, it's, it's so interesting to see. And so, like, because there was so much going on in this area and at the mall, and like I said, you, you step outside the mall, you're looking at the Freedom Tower and the Empire State Building and the whole Manhattan skyline. Um, but literally, like, I was able to leave the rink area. I went to grab a quick lunch before I headed back and did a Oh, I did a quick lap at the mall because those of you who know me know I like to just get steps in just to clear my head. Um, but literally, I left the the, the playoff matches. Um, I went and I got a, a, a vegan shawarma, which I got it just because I didn't think I could get a vegan shawarma anywhere. Um, and literally, it was like right there. Um, and it was awesome, by the way. So definitely try it out if you happen to be at this mall. And then as I was doing a quick lap within a five-minute walk, there was actually um, – there was like a whole big crowd. And I was looking to see what was going on. And there was actually um, a hip-hop celebration for Lunar New Year, um, which was an interesting kind of mashup of cultures as well. Um, so and again, like it was all like right here in this area. Um, and all within like a five minute walk for me. So again, I know U.S. Uh, curling, you know, thought outside the box to put this, um, you know, championship on here at like this mega mall or whatever. But it was really cool. And um, again, too, it was also cool to see that a lot of the it allowed a lot of the family members um, to get here too, um, because again, there were players that were coming here from that had their roots in either like Westchester, New York, or a couple of them here from Jersey. Um, who played up in Plainfield and in those parts. There are people here from eastern Pennsylvania. And so even though their main base now and their main training areas are in, you know, places like, you know, Duluth, Minnesota,
Minnesota and and all that kind of stuff, right? They had their roots here, and so a lot of the family that was able, you know, they were able to use it as an opportunity to get to see them because a lot of times, unless the event happens to be streamed, right, it's it's not like in curling, um, you know, you're getting paid tons of money, right? Most people have regular jobs like you and me, and so, um, you know, this is a great way for family to come out and see them locally. Uh, if you are local to me, I know that... Um, the Plainfield Curling Club is uh, is very popular up here. Um, I tried to go years and years ago, but I made the mistake of going um, a couple of weekends after the Winter Olympics finished, um, and it was like you couldn't even get into the parking lot. Um, and so I'm sure it's even more popular than that. But being that it is an off Olympic year, um, you know, I may uh, I may try to stop there again. So hopefully uh, the guys in Plainfield are are here in this broadcast and um, and. When I stop by, you know, they'll at least let me get in and take a look at the place. But, I, you know, I'd, I'd always love to try this out at some point. Uh, it, it seems pretty neat. Again, um, you do got to be an athlete, though. You got to be flexible. You got to be strong. Um, you know, the training involved and 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 the also the the finesse, too, with uh, how quick the ice is, how quick the stones slide um, and how much or little uh, spinning control you can have, um, you know, to play at that level has got to be crazy. But um, maybe they'll let a hack like me get in there and go ahead and try it as well. So hopefully you uh, enjoyed this episode today. You got to hear a little bit about uh, curling, right? Maybe it's got your curling juices flowing. Maybe if you're local, you'll get run up to the American Dream Mall uh, too. But again, a great experience. So thank you for allowing me to share it with you. Um, and as always, this show runs on your feedback. I'm always looking for interesting topics to talk about um, You know, with you. This show runs on your feedback. So again, I always like hearing from you. Um, if you want to email the show directly, you can email skicap hoodie and shorts at gmail.com you can also go to the website for the show which is www.skicaphoodieandshorts.com if you are looking for me personally on social media uh you can look for me on x slash twitter at our tech coach um on instagram and linkedin you can look for me at at ted.samaris um, and if you're looking for the main website uh, for some of the educational stuff I do, public speaking appearances um, that I do, and also some of the great projects I'm working on with educators globally, you can check out www.ourtechcoach.com. So again, thank you so much for your time today, and thank you for taking a listen to this. And as always, be good to yourself and be yourself.